Welcome to Paytech Talk, the podcast about payments. Today's guests are Sunil Jam, CEO of WL Payments, and Paul Sisnet, CEO of Pay With Glass. Welcome to Paytech Talk. Paul, Sunil, would you introduce yourselves and give us a little bit of insight into what you're, you've been up to lately? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Paul Sisnet. I'm the CEO of Pay With Glass, and uh, we've been building the future of the world's money from the infrastructure side. Hi, this is Sunil Cham. I'm the founder and CEO of WL Payments. At WL Payments, we offer our technology as a white label solution to PSPs, ISOs, large merchants, banks. So we provide a technical gateway to them. Oh, very cool. Uh, what's been, I'd like to just get started off with uh, what's been going on in the payments news this week. Do you, do you guys have anything to share? Anything that stood out to you? Uh, I think for me, it's uh, I'm, I've been keeping my eyes on the CBDC news as it's happened in you know in each country. So um, one of the things that stood out was uh, we saw the second major African nation look into the, uh, the uh, deployment of a CBDC solution. Okay. So Ghana is now moving into the space, second only to South Africa. So I think um, that's that's interesting to see, especially um, given. The only major in, uh, installments that have actually happened or applications that have actually happened around the world have been China, uh, right. some Caribbean states, but everyone else is pretty much just talking about it. So it's kind of good to see some progress, especially in the market that we don't expect to be at the forefront based on historical track records. Nice. Those are good points. Thanks for bringing that up, Paul. Sunil, do you have anything that's uh, caught your eye? Yeah, actually, uh, interestingly, we see now the U.S., government is uh, introducing open banking. They are putting some efforts, you know, to asking banks to look into the open banking part as Mm -hmm. we see how open banking has taken off. Uh, Very recently in Brazil, as we see PIX, which actually went live about seven months ago and has become one of the most uh, popular payment methods in the country. And interestingly, I saw some stats coming out of India as well on open banking their UPI, Unified Payment Interface, mm-hmm. they did 2.8 billion transactions in June. Wow. That's massive. It, it is. is. It is. Wow. Uh, what what uh, enabled them to do, get to that level of uh, transactions, because would you say? it's like a, a, a no-friction process, you know, and, and people are loving it. You know, in a way, of course, uh, as an end consumer, you, uh, you, you want the payments to go as smooth as possible. Right. If you remove the friction out of the equation, it becomes easy to to use, and that's uh, been uh, one of the key factors uh, uh, in, for UPI. Mm-hmm. You know that's how that's why it got picked up so fast, and especially the in-app experience is flawless. I have used <laughs> it myself. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Very nice. So, uh, as a nice segue into the next question, what for both of you is are the ingredients to your ideal payments platforms? I think something that uh, takes away the need to think about the fact that you're making a payment, but it's still secure, it's still safe. So it's unique to you. No one's going to be able to assume your identity and do it without your consent. But at the same time, it doesn't get in the way. Zero friction. That's the ideal payments platform. Instant and zero friction. Instant and zero. Those are, those are lofty goals. They are, but you have to set a goal in order to you know, have somewhere to go towards. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, I concur with Paul here. Uh, I give you an example, uh, Uber. You know, uh, when we uh, end our journey we, without even us noticing, we have already paid. We just get up without realizing that the payment has mm-hmm. happened. You know, so this is a live example running. So like what Paul just said, you know, it has to be frictionless and hidden. So without realizing that the, the 
payments have happened, and Uber is doing just that. Right, they they do they they really do that flawless, seamless payments experience. Exactly. Or it was not even really about payments with Uber, is it? It's really about the experience of buying well the food or getting the getting the ride. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. What Paul just mentioned, you know, that it should be completely hidden, the payments, mm -hmm. you know, so it shouldn't feel like a to a customer you're making a payment. Right. Because in the Uber experience, you don't actually make a payment. It's already happened. Right. Absolutely. You, you shouldn't actually have to think about the fact that you're, you're, you're processing the payment in anything you do. It should be, okay, I'm going to the store to buy something, but it's about the thing I'm acquiring. So the payment should just happen as soon as I've decided mm -hmm. this is what I want to take with me. And you know we're kind of seeing the idea for the physical store uh, moving in that direction with the Amazon Go uh, concepts. Okay, right. But uh, obviously we're at the very early stages. It's still experimental, but that's the right direction. And if we can do that for everything, for e-commerce, for mm -hmm. every kind of process where you have to exchange, you know, value for something, and it's, you don't think about it, it just happens. That's the ultimate payment process. Oh, okay. So follow-up question. How do both of your businesses or platforms sort of fulfill this frictionless, uh, this frictionless uh, need or goal? Well, in our case, we designed uh, that into our system. So we're, we're building a pure digital currency infrastructure solution meant to be the next generation solution. Uh, for the most part, payments today, in fact, money in general, is still very analog, and it's, it's akin to where the telecommunications industry has been uh, or was back in the early 1990s. So despite the fact that we have electronic payments, we have you know, mobile payments, we have our you know, mobile wallets and our phones from our banks, etc., mm -hmm. it's still an analog system with a nice digital skin on top of it. What we need is a pure digital system, end-to-end, -end, that's designed to take you know, make use of the advantages of being digital. And uh, that also means that you design the way in which the users interact with it. So the frictionless pr uh, processes have to be integrated into the design. They can't be an add-on after the fact. So that's pretty much what we've been building. We have built an intelligent digital currency electronic payment infrastructure solution. And it's the next generation of rails for all kinds of money. Okay, no, thanks. You see now? Yeah, the way we are actually removing the friction from the process is, of course, you know, uh, building the the whole user experience is integrated, you know, the cohesive mm -hmm. process where uh, we take that into account, how a user would be making a payment. Of course, all these uh, different payment uh, methods, they require a different process. You know, Visa method, when you're paying by credit card, mm -hmm. it's totally different than when you're paying by ideal, you know, through a wallet. And we just went live in Brazil. As we see, there are uh, different payment methods. They have a totally different uh, way of uh, paying. So how do you remove the friction from every single one mm -hmm. of them? So this is where our user experience, you know, come in, and that we focus on that. And the whole point is like, okay, to make it easy and simple for a, for a customer. Mm -hmm. So by keeping that in the back of our mind, you know, we design our features, we develop our features accordingly, and we see, again, it's a cohesive, integrated process. It's not a silo process, which has been running for so many years. Okay. We see payments as a part of e-commerce. So from a customer point of view, they see from uh, from the home page to the checkout to the thank you page, it's all one being, one journey one, one step one step uh -huh. so you cannot have uh, payments uh, run in silos so it has to complement the whole experience from the e-commerce side ah 
Okay. So how would you say, because you have two very, it seems like seemingly two very different businesses. How do they complement each other or how do they contrast each other? I think they're complementary for sure. Uh, so basically WL Payments is working directly with the institutions on the systems that are already in play, the systems that are in use right now that the, those institutions need to use. And they're making sure those systems work for today and tomorrow's world. Our, our approach is, uh, our R&D is focused on making the next generation of systems. And when those systems that we've created are out there and you know, the world mm -hmm. starts to use them, we're not the company that's going to be dealing with the institution directly in terms of making sure they continue to work. That's not our role. Our role is to develop it, make sure it functions from the, you know, from the, con from the concept to delivery. But then after delivery, the support for that system comes from companies like WL Paint. So they're more the hands-on customer facing after the system is deployed, whereas we're the guys building it in the back room, making sure it works and then delivering. Yes, actually, uh, I agree to that, what Paul just said, you know, when a pay with glass is ready with their systems, you know, when they're fully developed and being adopted mm -hmm. by the big banks. So all they have to do is just integrate with our uh, technology layer. That's it, no other changes needed. So that's why our uh, modular platform comes in handy. We're without, uh, making any change to a code or any changes on the customer end, or mm -hmm. customer I mean on the merchant end, you know, it can be easily integrated with just one integration. And this Absolutely, is yeah. yeah. Low friction for the merchant, low friction for the bank. Mm -hmm. So low Simple friction ADIs. from end to end. <laughs> exactly. So this is again, it's the time to market, it's faster, so you don't need to put too many resources, amount of money and stuff. So it's just like our system will integrate to uh, Paul system and then ready to go, and yep. then merchants can continue processing the same. Right, and that does, and that that would be regardless of currency, euro, dollar, CBDC. Exactly. Uh, so b because we're designed for this pure digital age, we are natively capable of supporting the issuance, distribution, and circulation of CBDCs in our platform. It's built for that. Uh, so once integrated and you know it's in use by the banks and other institutions. It doesn't matter what currencies they're passing over the system. In fact, if an exchange joined the platform, they can now bring a tokenized version of the stocks that they normally make available to their customers. And as an ecosystem, those are now available to the customers of the other banks and other institutions that are on the platform. Okay. So it's one big happy party <laughs> with full compliance. Absolutely, compliance is first here on Paytech Talk. <laughs> Absolutely, and this is compliance actually has been, of course, as the PSD2 went live, you know, Early this year, we saw like with the 3DS2, mm -hmm. uh, these uh, card schemes are enforcing this, this compliance. And unfortunately, the banks were not ready, so that actually caused a lot of friction. You know, initially, mm -hmm. we we saw a lot of payments were failing for the for the merchants, mm -hmm. and not realizing why it was because uh, in one region, 30% of the banks were ready, the other 70 were not. So luckily, we had developed a feature called Flex 3DS. Okay. Which, which took care of this uh, uh, this friction actually this uh, this is where our customers who have actually given uh, testimonials that by using this feature their uh, conversion has mm -hmm. gone up by nine percent so this is where we took care of that part where the if the banks were not ready mm -hmm. you know, if only part of the region is ready not the other part you know we have a fallback system where you can route transactions on those bins you know so this is where you get the maximum uh, uh, success rate possible. Real-time adaptation. In real-time adaptation, exactly. 
So this feature actually really helped and, and, and our merchants are, are really happy, our partners are really happy and they look forward to more features like this coming out of our lab. No, and uh, so do we. So it seems like a theme of both of you is this uh, is flexibility, and you just mentioned real time uh, adaptation. So in this sort of uh, in this sort of uh, sort of view of payments, uh, now we have you know big techs that can seemingly do everything. So are these big techs are they friend or foe? Uh, I think uh, neither, to be honest. Um, it okay. depends on the individual <laughs> tech. So uh, I think intentions have everything to do with it. If the objective of a big tech is to dominate a market, but then you know, create uh, or foment a monopoly environment mm -hmm. for, uh, for their own benefit, then obviously they're full to everyone except you know, their own people. Uh, but if a, if a big tech is able to wield its might, its influence, and you know, shape the future of the industry for the good of the people, if there's a social good and not just from the marketing perspective, but genuine social good, then it's friend. But then a big tech that's, a, that's doing social good is quite capable of becoming the enemy of the people, you know, depending on what happens. So I would say neither. It's, it's a dynamic uh, reference. <laughs> oh, okay. But you don't have any, given the current state of big techs, you don't have any sort of way, you're, way you would put yourself? Would, would you still be the, the neutral... Uh, middle, or is there saying, like, given what I've seen now? I mean, we've seen some big techs that have demonstrated that uh, they don't understand the word responsibility. Uh, I think, um, although to be quite fair, we are pretty much now in the age of uh, zero responsibility. Uh, you know, it's um, it's almost like a few years ago when they were adding the word twerk to the dictionary, they had to take responsibility out to make room. So <laughs> this is the world in which we live today. But. Um, I'll give an example, in, in, again, in the space that we're very familiar with. So uh, DM didn't receive the approvals they needed in Switzerland to operate, and they moved back to the United States. Now, many have looked at that as a defeat on, on, on their part, and that's the end of DM, and they'll just disappear. But remember who's behind DM. The company that has everyone's data and has the ability to predict your behavior in ways that not even you would, would have predicted yourself, they actually know the people that they have to convince very, very well. So I don't think that's the end for DM. But more importantly, uh, in terms of rather than labeling them friend or foe, look at the actions, look at the history, and then look at the potential mm -hmm. in, in terms of w what they would actually have in, in, the, in the terms of uh, power if they're allowed to operate in the way they're going. Now, again, I'm not going to say definitively what's going to happen because I don't have a crystal in front of me. But uh, let's assume for a second that DM is allowed to go live with their you know, global stablecoin initiative. A stablecoin by its nature has to be backed by some sort of currency. It's not, a, it's not a true digital currency in the sense where it stands on its own. It's not a crypto, it's not a CBDC. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, it's a, an asset that represents an actual value of something else. In the case of a US dollar DM coin, it's gonna be backed by US dollars. The euro, the same, pound, yen, right. et cetera. What happens when you have a global stablecoin solution is the scale means that the amount of U.S. dollars, the volume of U.S. dollars you'll have to, you know, hold to back that, that uh, stablecoin goes into the trillions of dollars. No one's ever done that before. USDC, USDT, they don't have that kind of volume behind them. They're in the billions. But when you go into the trillions of U.S. Mm -hmm. dollars and trillions of euros and trillions of pounds, and they're all held by one entity ultimately, 
do you want to have an entity that has demonstrated, or at least this foundation company has demonstrated that it doesn't really care for the responsibility that comes with the power that it's had for so many years? Do you want to put that kind of power into the hands of an entity like that? Because when one entity holds billions of each of these currencies, that is effectively the largest short position in history. Absolutely. That's what people should really be thinking about. Okay. Sunil, same question. Big techs, friend or foe? Or yeah, in, in the middle? <laughs> uh, in our space, actually, in payments, I would say it depends on the who, who's, who's looking at, who's working with them. It could be both. You know, of course, uh, big tech could be a friend for a company who's working globally and looking for, to have a global reach out. You know, of course, this is where the big tech come in handy. Mm -hmm. You know, they can help them achieve that, the global market. And at the same time, when a regional player is looking at the big tech, actually, they're not getting the kind of flexibility and the kind of agility they're looking for, some kind of a uh, uh, partnership mm -hmm. experience. So for them, they don't call them a friend because even though they're big, but the kind of uh, uh, the relationship, partnership they are looking for, is not there. It's not available. It's one-sided. It's one-sided. Mm -hmm. And this is where actually it's... Uh, uh, to give you an example, last week one of our um, uh, merchants uh, who actually uh, invited us in the strategy session. And okay. as they are rolling out you know, uh, globally as well, but region by region, not in one go, so they need some kind of uh, customization, mm -hmm. flexibility, so something they, they are developing at their end. They asked us if we could also help from the payment side you know, roll out uh, uh, country by country. And this is something which actually was remarkable that the, the meeting we had, you know, that, that now we are being invited in the strategy session. Mm -hmm. So then we also know how our partners are moving and how can we do and what can we do in order to help them grow their business. Basically, like our motto is like uh, we grow when our customers grow. So when we look at it, like what can I do to help my customer grow? So basically, I'm helping myself in the process. So this is where our interests are aligned. And so this is something I'm not sure you could get it from a big tech. Ah, okay. I think it's possible, but it's, it requires a different type of structure. And most big techs are not structured with this in mind. And that kind of structure needs to be put in place at the very beginning of the company. Most big techs, when they start off, their structure is based on how quickly can they scale. Exactly. At that point, it's a little too late. So I think it depends on the structure. And there also needs to be a, a, a core morality within the company of uh, responsibility first. I think that's the key thing. So friend or foe comes down to responsible or not, or taking responsibility or not taking responsibility. Absolutely. So what's next for both of you uh, in your, your businesses, Sunu? Yeah, actually for us, it's like, okay, as we see after, uh, uh, during COVID and post-COVID, you know, the market size has doubled, you mm -hmm. know, there's so much demand coming up. Now people know that this is, uh, you cannot avoid online, you know. Nope. So you, even if you have offline, you still need online presence. So you need, mm -hmm. you know, the online payments, and especially when there's so many changes coming up with from BSD2 and the open banking, you know, 3DS2 and all this stuff. And they need uh, companies like us, so which is uh, of course keeping us on our toes to mm -hmm. develop this, you know. And the new features coming, as I mentioned earlier, in Brazil, Pix went live like about seven months ago. So these new payment methods coming up, so we need to adapt quickly and make it available for our customers. So yeah, this is something which is uh, 
uh, we are working on we are also working on you know a lot of conversion boosting features as we have gained a lot of experience in this field so how we can improve on that how can we, even a little bit of a small tweak could make wonders as uh, our customers would testify to that with our small tweak on the routing part you know mm -hmm. the uh, transactions have gone up by 15 percent wow you know, the success rate so this is something so which that is uh, massive. That's massive, exactly. <laughs> and we have written testimonials, thank you notes from our customers <laughs> on that. But this is again, uh, we thank you back, Isaac, because this is something which we are doing in partnership. If we can, if I can help you grow by fifteen percent, ultimately I'm helping myself grow by fifteen percent as well in the process. Correct. So this is something which we are looking on, you know, building, and of course the scalability as we grow our teams, you know, uh, on in India and in Europe. Uh, both places so that's what we are focusing on to get to the next level and 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 keep on adding uh, new and new features which will help our customers grow their business and your customers are who are your customers uh, our customers Mainly. are like okay the online uh, players you know medium okay. to large players the PSPs you know the banks mm -hmm. ISOs you know who need our technology as a white label solution and someone who just need like a direct quoting so yes, we are in the online space. So anyone who needs online payments, they are our customer. <laughs> okay, and Paul, what's what's next for Pay with Glass? Well, we're uh, we're actually ramping up to go live in our first European market at the end of this year. So uh, we're currently onboarding the very first um, commercial customers, and we are fundraising at the same time, which is uh, FUN does not belong in that word. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're we're doing both of those simultaneously. Uh, but yeah, the with the launch in our first European market at the end of this year, um, over the next uh, 24 to 30 months, we expect to see, uh, well, it's projected with our partners and so forth that we'll probably have about 25% domestic transaction dominance in those in that market. Okay. Because uh, it's, it's a launch of a CBDC for that market. So it's um, by the nature of our solution, we're an ecosystem when deployed. So we don't, you know, there's no need for the download of a special app that has our name on it. The only way you'll see our name as an end user is if you look at the about section in the back of the app. Right. Uh, but it will be, you know, you'll see the app in the form of your traditional banking app or fintech app or whatever you normally use. It just has a whole bunch of new capabilities it didn't have before. And uh, so that will bring us to the 25% market, um, you know, penetration after that period. It's the way forward, and uh, after that, it will be the next market in the next market to grow the system because this is actually a retail CBDC infrastructure solution that's capable of multi-currency on a single system. So, it's a bright future, <laughs> brand new world. Okay, can you uh, can you uh, tell us uh, which market, European market, that is, or is that kind of we under haven't wraps announced for now? officially yet? So, okay, so but the announcements will come. Stay tuned. Okay, thanks. We will. So, thanks, Paul, Sunil, Sunil, Paul. Yep. for joining us here today on Paytech Talk and uh, thank you for having us no thank problem thank you for having us it was really it's fun been a pleasure you've been listening to Paytech Talk the podcast about payments today's guests were Suno Jam CEO of WL Payments and Paul Sisnick CEO of Pay with Glass Paytech Talk is produced by Cognito Media Amsterdam thanks for listening